0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today
1: with BYTE. This week on the Chicago Bears review. With the same place opponents out of the way, we now move on to the intriguing AFC South, a division in flux, and we get started with last year's bottom dweller, the fourth place Tennessee Titans. Can the Titans climb out of the cellar, or are they doomed to just stay there? Dan Cotton from 247sports.com joins us on the AFC South Preview episode of The Chicago Bears Review! with the afc south episode number three out of 14 preview episodes getting us ready for the 2016 regular season what's going on everybody larity back for the part one of the afc south preview and we f- we have a, a new friend uh, could not get in touch or couldn't get a, a schedule uh you know lined up with uh, paul kuharski from from espn but we were able to get uh dan cotton 24 7 sports.com uh the tennessee titan page uh is uh t-e-n as in 10 uh for tennessee t-e-n dot 24 7 sports.com uh he's a uh a um A correspondent uh, for them writes about the Tennessee Titans uh, and so on. Uh, Very nice guy, and you can hear the Southern accent coming from uh, from Tennessee, a native Tennessean, or I I think that's how they refer to themselves uh, down there. And um, you know, big Titans fan. Had a great discussion uh, with him. We'll get to that in uh, just a uh, a few moments. So um, you know, we're we're moving along. It's June now. Uh, The Bears just wrapped up uh, OTAs. Uh, Very exciting. Uh, That's the last of the OTAs. Uh, I think they got a mini camp in another week or two, uh, and then that's pretty much it until the Bears strap it up and and get busy in Bourbonnais at the end of July. So hoping to stay busy uh, for these next few weeks in the interim before training camp uh, gets started. I spoke to Dan Cotton uh, earlier uh, today or Tuesday, depending on when you're listening to this. It's either going to be late Tuesday night or first thing Wednesday morning that this thing uh, comes out. But, um, you know, spoke to Dan on Tuesday. I have uh, Colton Manziel from Big Cat Country on SB Nation for the Jaguars uh, later this week. I think either Thursday or Friday I'm having him. And then we'll be talking to Josh Wilson and Brett Coleman to wrap up the AFC South for the Colts and Titans, respectively. Then we move on to the NFC East. And then, of course, we finish things up with the NFC North and our good friends uh, that we had on the show last year, Chris Gates, Uh, Evan Western and and Jeremy Reisman so looking forward to having all of them uh, back on the show and uh, talking to our uh, our new friends uh, you know with Dan from 24-7 sports and and uh, our other AFC South brethren that we're going to be bringing in uh, to the show so it's uh, you know very exciting that we're we're able to to get this done and it it looks like I am going to be able to pull off all 14 teams or all 13 uh, opponents, and then still working on the 14th to see if I can't get uh, Jeff Dickerson back on the show or uh, who else we might have on uh, in, his, uh, in his place. But I was able to lock down a New York Giants um, contributor, so I've got all four teams from the NFC East now, so we're all set. We are 100% ready to go for all of our opponents, and then I'm still working on who we're going to have on for the quote-unquote offseason finale. Before we head into training camp and get things going with the preseason uh, and so on. Very excited and uh, looking forward uh, to uh, to it. So um, just a couple of things we want to cover real quick before we get into uh, our discussion uh, with Dan uh, about the Titans. Um, Just I I was really looking forward to these AFC South shows, and that's because you hear me talk to Dan about it a little bit. You heard me mention it in the in the opening. Um, It's an intriguing division, a division that truly is uh, in flux. You know, it's kind of an it's in my opinion, it's an anybody's game division this year. Uh, Like I said, you'll hear me talk about it briefly with Dan. um, And actually, this is something you'll hear me talk about with all four guys that I have. Uh, On the show, the Titans had the number one pick, got a king's ransom for it. And especially with like their first four draft picks really knocked it out of the park with Conklin, uh, Austin Johnson. They got Kevin Dodd from Clemson. Uh, They stole Derrick Henry, the Heisman Trophy winner in the second round. Just kind of really loading up their roster. And they have an extra first and a third next year uh, to go along, you know, with the with the picks that they got here uh, in 2016 uh, the Jaguars, uh, with what they were managed to pull off, people being afraid of Miles Jack and the Jags being able to scoop him up uh, in the second round after getting Jalen Ramsey at number five, uh, all the money that they spent in free agency, you know, the term that you'll hear me say is, uh, you know, the 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 upside or the potential, the glass ceiling, whatever you want to call it, uh, with the AFC South is. You know, the potential for anything to happen is high in this division. You know, maybe the Colts will make it boring, and with a healthy Andrew Luck, they'll just go back and reclaim the division. With everything that the Texans did, bringing Ben Osweiler, the draft that they had, I love some of the picks that they made. Experts do too. A healthy J.J. Watt coming in. Um, You know, it's a make-or-break year for Jadavian Clowney, so maybe his motivation pushes him to do great things on defense uh, for them. And so on, you know, it kind of goes on and on. There's a lot more positive to look forward to with the AFC South for them, you know, not to be the dumpster fire that they were last year as a division, not just, you know, because the Titans were bad enough to earn number one, Jacksonville's picking number five. You know, the Colts, I think, were in the middle of the first round uh, and so on. Somebody's going to win this division as opposed to kind of just taking it by default the way the Texans did uh, last year so um, I really do think that um, you know <laughs> the Bears might be in trouble because we got this division a year too late if we'd had them that last year that would have been something special for the Bears because that was last year was the year you wanted to play those teams this year I'm not so sure I mean that like I said the ceiling is very very high for all four of these teams uh, to, to do something special Uh, this year whether it just be you know for the in the case of the titans the team that we're talking about right now to go from only winning five games in the last two seasons combined maybe they're a team that makes the next leap and gets to eight and eight you know this year with with Mariota and the one-two punch they have in the running game and so on maybe this is the year they make that next big step maybe this is the year that jacksonville does that, you know, or instead of being a 9 and 7 team, maybe the Texans take all of their changes and they're a 12 and 4 team this year. It's like the potential for all of that is there and you know, and also the potential for none of it to work out and for them still to be a buster ass division again is there again. It is the NFL after all. So but that's that's what's most intriguing is that it's an anything can happen division. I mean, you know, it could be like, "Oh, well, it's same as it was last year, Houston won." Indy 2, Jacksonville, and, and Titans battling for last place. Or it could be like, holy crap, the Jaguars won this division. Can you believe it? You know, that kind of thing. I could really see us having a discussion like that at the end of the year. How about those Titans, man? 3-13 and 13 last year, 10-6, and six, going to the playoffs and so on. I really do believe the potential for all of that is there, and that's why I was so interested to talk to these guys from that division because they all had big holes to fill and lots of moves to make. And for the most part... They did it, every last one of them. So very interested to see how all of that goes uh, for them. And um, real quickly, uh, as far as the Bears are concerned, um, some interesting uh, developments uh, for the Bears. Uh, We finally, finally, just like a day or two ago, finally wrapped up our draft class. The last to sign was Jonathan Bullard, our third-round pick. Signed a four-year deal, I believe, on Monday, which would be yesterday. And uh, so he's, so the entire draft class is now secure. I think the last time that we spoke, Leonard Floyd hadn't been signed yet. He has also signed a uh, four-year deal with a fifth-year option, uh, as most first-round picks uh, have. So he is all locked up uh, as well. Uh, last week, uh, Ryan Pace already cut one of his draft picks. Uh, Teo Fabeluge, our sixth-round pick from last year, the offensive tackle from... Uh, from TCU, I believe. Um, uh, here's the thing: I had no idea that when I was reading that the Bears had released him, uh, there was a sentence in there saying that, uh, "Yeah, he appeared in four games for the Bears." When the hell was that? When <laughs> when did Teo Fabulouze play? I didn't even know he was active for any games last year, let alone actually playing in any. So maybe he was the extra tackle on on extra points or something. But I don't. I mean, I know he didn't play a snap. Uh, On offense, at least. So uh, but, um, you know, he was always kind of viewed as a developmental um, guy being a sixth round pick and uh, especially for somebody who was out of football for a year in the middle of his career uh, out there, you know, jumping back and forth from BYU to TCU and and so on. Um, But uh, I guess he just wasn't developing fast enough. Uh, Ryan Pace uh, pulled the trigger and, uh, you know, you got to give Pace a lot of credit. The guy is not afraid to make bold moves. I mean, he's done nothing but pretty much since he came to Chicago. I mean, getting rid of Brandon Marshall, trading away uh, Martellus Bennett, and, you know, everything else in between. Letting go Roberto Garza, who was beloved in Chicago, uh, and so on. This guy is definitely all about creating the team in his image and uh, letting go of a draft pick from a year ago. Granted, it's a six round pick, so that, you know, chances aren't all that great that a six round pick is going to make the team. But when you draft somebody, you expect them to stick around. And those later round picks, usually you have a bit more patience with them because they're developmental players and so on. As long as they're making progress, and the fact that the Bears have already seen fit to uh, cut Fabaluge and send him packing a year into his career says that whatever progress they were hoping for. Hasn't been made, and, and uh, the hopes of that progress being made anytime soon are slim to none because he has been let go, and the Bears had an interesting, had a cup of coffee with Jake Long, former number one overall pick from 2008, uh, signed uh, drafted by the Dolphins, had a free agent uh, contract for a couple years with the uh, St. Louis Rams, injuries, cut his time short with the, with the Rams, uh, played with the Falcons last year. Came in for a tryout with the Bears last week, but instead the the Bears decided to sign um, Nate Chandler, offensive tackle, who was with the Carolina Panthers in 2014. I think he missed all of last year uh, with a with it was either a knee or a shoulder injury. I apologize, I don't remember which one it was. I'm sure it was a knee injury though, but um, you know, so he's going to be adding depth, which in the end, that's a good thing. Because Charles Lino, not the most experienced guy. Uh, I think everyone would agree that he's still developing. And obviously he is making the progress that Teo Fabaluge was not because, number one, he was a starter for us last year. And number two, the Bears did almost, well, they did absolutely nothing as far as addressing the left tackle position you know in the offseason or in the draft or anything like that so they have supreme confidence or so it would appear in Charles Leno and, and Leno Leno I got to find out which one it is Leno or Leno um, but, um to you know for him to to still be our starting left tackle going into uh the season but we add veteran depth behind him something that that uh, Pace did uh very well here in the in the offseason. so we we have Manny Ramirez, we have Ted Larson, we have, um, you know, Nate Chandler backing up Lino and, and uh, Long and Grasu and Cody White here, who I think is going to be our starter uh, at left guard. So if one of these young guys falters, Kyle Long definitely probably not going to be one of those guys that falters. But still, um, you know, bringing in Nate Chandler, he'll be a plug and play guy if uh, if he's needed uh, down the line. So uh, a good move. Uh, for them, I mean, obviously Jake Long would have been the sexier signing, the name recognition, the oh, number one overall pick, and uh, been to a few Pro Bowls with the Dolphins and so on. He would have been a much sexier, more high-profile signing, but uh, Nate Chandler was the choice. And up to this point, you know, Pace has usually been right about these kind of things, so hopefully that will be something that works out. And hopefully for, for Charles Leno's case, we never have to find out how good Nate Chandler is. So we'll, uh, we'll have to sit back and, and see. Uh, on that one so but that's all I have as far as headlines and news uh, for the Bears just those couple of roster moves there for the full draft class is finally under uh, contract and um, you know no more Teo Fabeluje, so no worrying whether or not we're getting his name right or anymore. Nate Chandler, much easier to pronounce. So welcome to the team. So that's going to do it for our little news and notes and so on section. What do you say? We go ahead and dive right into the AFC South and part one, talking Tennessee Titans with Dan Cotton from 247sports.com. <laughs> And as we uh, dive into this most intriguing division, the AFC South, lots of questions uh, going in this year, especially since it was one of the more disappointing divisions in football last year. We begin with the Tennessee Titans, and we welcome our new friend, Dan Cotton, 247sports.com. Dan, thank you so much, and welcome to the Chicago Bears Review.
2: Larry, it's good to be here, sir. Good to be here.
1: So this is your your first time on the show. So mm-hmm. since we're having you on for the first time, what we like to do is get a little background on our new friends and uh, just want a few questions. Where are you from originally? How long have you been a Titans fan?
2: I am actually from this area, born and raised uh, just outside of Nashville in a small community called Arrington, Tennessee. I actually went to school at Middle Tennessee, okay. uh, the same school that produced our third-round pick this year, Kevin Byard. Mm-hmm. And I've been a season ticket member uh for the Titans since they moved to Nashville. Since uh, so since nineteen ninety nine, I've had a season two second two season tickets to the Titans at at originally Adelphia Coliseum, right. L P Field and now it's Nissan Second. So I've been a member, I've been a fan of the Titans since day one.
1: So you you weren't like a converted Oilers fan. What did you have an allegiance before the Titans came to Nashville?
2: True story here. I actually had a Steelers jacket that I wore growing up. So I was growing up, I was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan.
1: I see. I see. Okay. And then when you when you finally had a team in your backyard, no choice but to follow them, right? Exactly. All right. So this this may be tricky for you, but. Um, what is your favorite Titan moment other than the Music City Miracle? Because um, that's, that's got to be the go-to one, right? The Music City is, Miracle. It doesn't yes. really get much better than that.
2: I, I will gladly uh, attest to being there. I was there. Awesome. I will gladly attest to not thinking we had a chance to, to win. Right. So, I was one of the 67,000 plus that was all ready to go home and actually all ready to go to the bar across the river and drown my sorrows and sure. uh, a couple of pints, if you will. <laughs> uh, second favorite game, I guess you might say. Hmm. Give me a minute here, if I think. Because we've had some, unfortunately, we haven't been to playoffs. So t- I'm not going to say a week. The Titans have not been to playoffs since uh, 2008, so it's been right. a couple of years here. Um, uh, actually, the second, the second favorite was this was the 2000 season when we uh, shut out the Cowboys at home. Uh, it was a Monday night game, oh. and that was back in the 2000 season. i want to say the score was like 30 to nothing 31 not 31 nothing. That probably has rank up there. Um, going back, as far as uh, games here in Nashville, uh, how, how would they would rank.
1: How see. about winning the uh, AFC title in 99?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, beating Jacksonville three times, beating them on their home turf, that was re- you know, quite rewarding, obviously. Um, well, I mean, the first game ever at Adelphia was a 36-35 comeback uh, victory over the Bengals. The okay. Titans, so the Titans so the times got big. They uh, the Bengals came back and took the lead, and McNair drove them down, and they thanks to El Del Grico, El Del Grico field goal. They won thirty six thirty five to uh, Christian Stadium with the win in the first in, in the very first I'm sorry in the first first ever regular season game at then,
1: Adelphi the College. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that that 99 season was so crazy because I I actually I was pulling for the Jaguars that year. I I don't know if it was just, you know, pulling for the underdog as far as being an expansion team and all that kind of stuff. And they they won. They went 14 and two that year. And then obviously they lost in the AFC championship game. The only losses they had that year were to the Titans. So I mean, they they were undefeated against everybody else. But Tennessee that year It was so crazy. It was wild. So as we as we move in, um, before we jump into 2016, we talk a bit about last season. Um, it's not every year that a team can go from having the number two pick and then play poorly enough to get the number one, but um, you know it, the the Titans managed to pull it off yes. uh, last year. And aside from winning the first game of the year in the the rookie quarterback bowl, smashing Tampa Bay. Um, Six, uh, six, seven weeks later, uh, the Titans hadn't won another game yet, and they fired Ken, Ken Wisenhunt. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, w- thoughts about that going into the, you know, not even the midway point of the season, and you're one in six, and you got a brand new head coach coming in?
2: Well, I mean, the feeling behind that is that Wisenhunt wasn't, he wasn't willing to adapt. I mean, and the, the Browns loss last year, uh, it was just a microcosm of what was going on. He was not willing to make changes on the old line. And in turn, that was, I mean, Manorota got sacked I won't say eight times versus the Browns last year. And he was dead set on, it was either his way or the highway, so to speak. So he was not willing to adapt and make any changes. And the owner at the time, uh, the current owner, Amy Armstrong, she saw that. She heard the from the all well, the outcry if you will, from the folks here in Nashville that uh, there was obviously things were not trending in the right direction. She took it upon herself to make the change when she did and and elevated Mike Malarkey to head coach. Uh, the first game uh, under his helm was the overtime win at New Orleans and the Titans did some good you know did some good things when he took over. They were one of the less penalized teams in the uh, NFL after he took over. He actually was willing to make changes. The changes to the low line helped Marietta. Uh, he did not obviously get his, his, did not get his as much as he did prior to the change. He, um, I'm still torn because ideally. I didn't see that he would be the guy, but he obviously won over the management, i.e., Amy Adam Stark, and she made him the permanent head coach back in January. But the thing that has made uh, this year, not to jump guns, uh, not, I guess not to jump ahead, but like I guess say, well, let's stop there. Uh, what, was there anything else from the 20? team season that you wanted to discuss. Well, I
1: think that was that was pretty much, you know, what we wanted to 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 cover. But yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you about Malarkey I mean, with 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 all of the the young talent that the Titans have on offense, I mean, mm-hmm. with uh with Conklin and then being able to steal Derrick Henry in the second round yes, yes. you have uh you know you got you got your hands on DeMarco Murray mm-hmm. uh Green Beckham you have you know Kendall Wright's yes. the first round pick and even Delaney Walker even though he's probably the oldest guy on the team had a thousand yard season at tight end last year so it's got to be Mariota's favorite target just based on that you know and Malarkey being the offensive coordinator I, I guess it kind of makes sense but did you wish they had maybe even because it is like the season ended on on January third. He was named the coach. Not even two weeks later, yeah. You know, so Wait. so no one no one really got you know as far as my knowledge was really interviewed for the position. It was just kind of handed over to Malarkey. Do you at least wish they would have looked into other candidates, or do you think Malarkey is still the guy?
2: Uh, selfishly, I wish they had tried to pursue Hugh Jackson. Uh. Hugh Jackson, obviously, you know, he was a sure, sure. great coach in Oakland and kind of, I guess, uh, wore all his welcome, if you will, or things didn't go the way that he'd wanted, so the Raiders let him go. I mean, selfishly, uh, uh, heading into the end of last year, he was my number one guy on my list, Hugh Jackson, hands down. Uh, I was not really impressed with Adam Gates. Obviously, he had had Peyton... In Denver, and so he you know, he well. I shouldn't say wasn't really impressed, but I mean, I, I was impressed, but not to the extent that I was with Hugh Jackson. Because okay. you know, with his track record of what he's done for Andy Dalton there in Cincinnati, and what he did in his short stint with the Raiders, I was I was really intrigued by him, but unfortunately, you no, know, that that did not that did not happen. So. Uh, I wouldn't say we're stuck with Milwaukee, but I guess time will tell if uh, if the owner made the right pick. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of new faces um, with the Titans. Uh, Free agents, like you mentioned, DeMarco Murray, uh, Rashad Johnson, the uh, safety from Arizona. Ben Jones, the kid, uh, the center from the, the Texans, he's probably one of my favorite pickups. Uh, this offseason because of his, though no, no nonsense. He is a uh, good old boy, so to speak, who's willing to stir it up there on the line. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does when he uh, goes against his former teammates there with the Texans. But but the capper of all cappers has been the Titans signing John, John Robertson. John Robertson has been uh, – I was actually didn't even, actually did not get to go to it, but uh, the Titans have had here the here the past couple of years. They have had uh, ticket uh, season ticket Tuesdays uh, at the uh, at the stadium where they invite season ticket members out uh, to meet great players and coaches. And recently, as of two weeks ago, they had all the Titans rookies out there. So they had Derrick Henry. They had Conklin out there. But they, all everybody wanted to talk about was John Robinson. So, and unfortunately, he wasn't there, but that was the talk of that. I mean, you got Derek Henry there, a hospital the winner. You got your first round pick there, number eight overall, Jack Conklin. But everybody wanted to talk to, everybody wanted to meet and greet John Robinson because he's made that much of a difference. Because from day one, he is. He has entrenched his vision of hard nosed hard nosed players with a can do ad- can do attitude. Which frankly, the last couple of years, the Titans have not had an have not had an identity. Under right. under Wisden Hunt, we didn't know what the Titans were supposed to be. Cause there was no identity. I mean, back when the Titans were good, you know that they were going to run the ball with Andy George and they were going to play aggressive defense with with Greg Williams because they would, I mean, that's what, I mean, that's who they were. Right. The past couple of years, we have not had any kind of identity. Therefore, there was nothing to latch on to. But now that Robinson is at the helm, we have a clear identity as to what he wants the Titans to be. And he and Mark Larky have kind of formed a, a tandem, if you will. They're both on the same page. They both know what they want. And they have instilled that in their guys since day one. And it's been rewarding. Well, it's been more refreshing to see that because, as I mentioned earlier, the Titans have not been back to the playoffs since 2008, the year they they started the year 10 0. Uh, win number nine, actually, that year happened to be the Bears up there. Yes, it was. It's Old Traffield that. Uh, was it twenty one fourteen win that the Titans eked out. So that I mean right. that's I mean that's the last time the Titans have been had been in the playoffs. So just the past couple of years have been leaning main, as you mentioned, talking about the uh second round pick last year. I'm sorry, the number two pick last year. This year the number originally the number one, the Titans got the uh, stole. I mean got a Kings ransom from the Rams for them the world pick. Our, ironically was Jeff Fisher who uh Who's obviously the coach now? I mean, just all the irony, all the irony that the Rams were the trading partner with the Titans. You know, uh, you know, with all the history between the the, their current head coach
1: and the organization. Well, speaking of the of the trade, Mm -hmm. you know, it was a king's ransom. Yes, but to go back to to last year. And 2015, you guys had the number two pick, mm-hmm. and there was talk for for weeks and weeks leading up to the draft about the Titans trading away number two, yes. therefore passing on Marcus Mariota. I mean, yes. even the Bears were talked about being trade partners because you're only dropping from two to seven. Mm-hmm. Jay Cutler would be in Tennessee again because he went to Vanderbilt and so on and so forth. And it kind of led me – the reason that I'm asking is because if that had happened – Maybe Jake Cutler comes in, or maybe even San Diego. When they talked about maybe uh, Philip Rivers going back to Tennessee, and so on. Um, Zach Mettenberg obviously was going to be kind of the uh, you know part of the future of the Titans. And a year later, with you know the, you keep the number two pick, you keep you you go with Mariota, mm-hmm. and Zach Mettenberger kind of becomes the odd man out. A year later, he's out on the street because the Titans just released him, uh, you know, a week or two um, ago. So. You know, what's what's the thought on letting go uh, Mettenberg? Are you guys happy with Matt Castle being the backup quarterback, or would you wish you kind of held on to him?
2: Uh, frankly, uh, the writing was on the wall w- with the Titans signed uh, Matt Castle in March. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it, I mean, it's uh, – Robinson wanted a veteran guy behind Mariota. He wanted somebody that he could lean on, you know, to help him, uh we defenses, the, you know, to be a signing board. Zach Mettenberger was not that guy. Right. Uh, obviously, his playing on field kind of summed up his career here in Tennessee. He was zero and ten. Uh, he didn't, frankly, did not get it done. I mean, he w- He's got the, he's got the arm of Jeff George, but he, poor Zach, is, is as nimble as uh, my late grand my late granddad guy, <laughs> guy is a statue back there. Right. So, I mean, I, I mean, I saw it coming, uh, on, on the first day of a free agency when they signed my castle, I, I knew that, uh, Zach's days here in Tennessee will never.
1: Right. So, so now we move forward to, to 2016 yes. and the Titans have the number one pick, yes. all the talk about them possibly trading. And then they do pull the trigger on it. Now, Pulling, putting aside the fact that they got 9,000 draft picks for that spot, <laughs> yeah. did you want the Titans to use the number one pick, or did you prefer that they did trade down to get a bunch of picks to build for the future?
2: Separately, um, obviously the, the talk leading up to the draft was uh, Larry Mutunsel, the, uh, the, the tackle out of Ole Miss. Right. Either him or the local kid. Jalen Ramsey the kid actually grew up here to south south of Nashville attended Greenwood Academy which is just down the street from our actually our office here at 24/7 he went to school like less than a mile from where our office is uh, uh the Titans did the right thing obviously in you know train out of the uh, number one spot to get the extra picks Um in the end, it's about, I mean, how to 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 build a team is through the draft. Right. And with Robinson, he was able to maneuver, A, to get a couple of picks from the Rams.
1: And, a couple?
2: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, a couple <laughs> picks. Uh, but that obviously with what he did during the draft. Right. Trading, trading with the, the – uh, the Browns, and getting up to number eight. They lost a, a pick or two of there, but ended up with 10 picks overall in the draft. Mm. And as far as the draft picks are concerned, a couple of guys, uh, obviously Coughlin will will be penciled in from day one at right tackle, obviously Taylor Uh A guy that has really impressed so far in OTAs has been Tajay Sharp, the uh, receiver of... UMass. He's come in and he's actually gotten some reps with the first teams. He's actually taken he's actually uh, caught some passes from uh, Marietta. Uh Derrick Henry, I'm not sure what his role is at this point. I mean, they obviously traded for DeMarco Murray for a reason. Right. Uh I was listening today, uh, the Titans uh O. C. longtime uh, coach the league Terry Biski was talking today after practice that they will likely go with a, you know, go with a hot hand, i.e. Murray or Henry. So he's not he, he's not given a number on the number of carries that DeMarco and Derek will see in the game. Uh it's basically he said today, whatever it takes to win. He said he would be willing to give uh like I think he mentioned quoted 70 carries to whomever got the job done. So he's not married to a a pitch count, if you will, for Marco sure. and uh, and Derek. Um, Staffordly, you know, being a Middle Tennessee guy, um, rooting for uh, our our third round pick, uh, Kevin Byard. He kind of came. He he was kind of under the radar. Had gotten. Uh, I think he mentioned today, he actually heard him on the radio just before we got, uh, got started here. He had gotten two to three visits. He had, he had lined up two to three pre-judge, pre-draft visits before uh, his uh, pro day. And he ran such a good time in pro day, his phone started to blow up, and he had ended up with 10 to 12. And so and it so happens, his coach in middle of Tennessee was coached by John Robinson. So obviously there's a history there. Sure. So that was kind of a magical occurrence, if you will. Um, and there, there's a decent chance that the kid from Arkansas, uh, Trey Tola, might get a decent look at uh, left guard. That's one. That's the one open position right now along the Titans line. You got your tie You got your tackle set. You got your center set. Right tackle is pretty much set so with the with first round pick Chance Warmack, and the only open position is uh, left tackle, and that's going to be decided between uh, last year's uh, Jeremiah Putozzi. He started some last year at, at right tackle. He was not a right tackle. Darn Wilson hunt tried to make him a right tackle, but he's not a right tackle. He's in the running for the for the left guard position while uh, with uh, Trey Tola, and. Uh, even I got word today that uh, Brian Swinke, Swinke had uh, he played center the past couple years, but had unfortunately had been injured and was lost last year because of injury. And that's when uh, they had, the Titans had, had kind of rotating you uh, will, there at center last year. See, the problem with the Titans, is it's up front, uh, the trenches. If they can get that figured out. That goes, I mean, obviously that will go a long way in protecting the franchise. And protecting the franchise uh, is, is, you know, is uh, goal number one, if you will.
1: So did losing Byron Bell kind of mess up plans for the offensive line? Could he have been uh, the left guard? Because I know he started, or at least when I was looking online, I saw him, he was was slated at right tackle, or at least he was on the depth chart that I was looking at. So obviously that's going to be, most likely be Conklin. Yes. This year would would he have been moved over inside Byron Bell or was he just the, a reserve guy?
2: No, I mean Brown would have been in the running for that left guard position. Uh I mean he was so valuable because he could play multiple positions along the line. Last right. year obviously he played uh, right tackle. Uh and then actually he that was one of the things that I mean. That was one of the first moves that that Markey made last year when he took over, was to make Byron Bell the right tackle, and then at that point because Potosi was not getting the job done there, he was getting bull rushed and he was getting beat left and right by the the likes of J.J. Watt and getting Mariota killed, and I mean that was. I mean, back to the downfall, I mean, that was one of the, the big downfalls, wasn't it? He was not willing to make changes on, on, on the line to help protect Moreta. And so Byron Bell took over and finished the year last year at right tackle. Uh, the Titans chose to re-sign him to a one-year deal uh, back, in, uh, back in March. Mm-hmm. And he would definitely had uh, competed at the left tackle position. And then probably would have been the backup to Conklin and right tackle, if he had you know, been able to stay healthy. So now the Titans will have to look elsewhere for a backup to uh, to Conklin and right tackle, and obviously have that uh, have the uh, three to four guys that are vying for the left guard position now, and not uh, not four with, uh, with with Byron being off for the year.
1: So with with all of this, with the offensive line, or excuse me, with the offense, just period yes you have your franchise quarterback in Mariota you have the you have the one two at the running back position with Henry and and Murray you got a young core of receivers you got a veteran tight end and the offensive line seems to be figuring itself out so you look like you're poised to improve upon last year's 27 points 27th in the league in points scored but the Titans were also 28th in points allowed so aside from say, Kevin Dodd and Austin Johnson, your second-round picks. Mm-hmm. What have the Titans done to improve upon that going into 2016?
2: Well, they've got a uh, – the big downfall last year was when Derek Morgan went out. Uh, when he lost Derek Morgan last year, they lost. The guy opposite, uh, Brian, Brian, Brian Arakpo, Arakpo did not have a sack – uh, after dirt Morgan went down, so he's back. They re signed him. That was a big get. Um, Morgan elected to re sign with the Titans instead of going out. And uh, he had a pretty decent offer. He actually had a visit with the Falcons, but chose to come back and re sign with the Titans. So that was a big coup because you got a healthy dirt Morgan now on the other side of a Rock Po. Uh, you got obviously one of the, I mean, Real football fans will know who Jarrell Casey is? Because he's and he is by far the best the best player on defense for the Titans. He is a guy that actually quick story here. Last year, the Titans were getting blown out by the Jets up in uh, up in Jersey. Right before the half, the Titans uh, were caught misaligned. Even well, they were not set on defense. All of a sudden, you had Brandon Marshall out there. Outside all by himself, not being covered. And last minute, so the uh, Fitzpatrick got the play from the court, from the, the uh the LC, the play got going and Gerard Casey ran his fanny almost caught up with Brandon Marshall and tackled him, but fortunately he didn't. But that just shows the effort that a guy like Gerard Casey, which is the you know by far the best player on defense for the Titans. They're, I mean, that's the guy that the Titans need more players like. The Jerome Casey's, the Delaney Walker's, those two guys on each side of the ball are what Titans fans appreciate, if you will, because they, both those guys finally got some recognition last year. They were both uh, got to go to the Pro Bowl for the first time. Um, but back to defense. Um, Austin Johnson, uh, he's going to be a he's probably going to be in a rotation uh, from day one. He will he will uh, be there on the defensive line. Kevin Dodd uh, had first surgery a couple weeks ago uh, during the first set of OTAs, but he's expected back in time for training camp. So hope hope all goes well with him. Um. Let's see, what other guys? So the the rookies are going to ex- – I mean, the g- rookies are expected to be counted on heavily, especially on special teams for the guys that won't be starting. And obviously, Austin Johnson will be in the rotation. Kevin Dodd will be in the rotation at uh, linebacker. Uh, Kevin Byard will probably – for now, these, so going in, he'll probably see time on special teams and might come in on, on special packages on defense as far as the job is, is concerned and then TJ Sharp, that he's he's I was talking about earlier he's got a chance uh, the Titans will probably keep five receivers so that means one of the veterans will likely be on the outside looking in ie Justin Hunter right now he's training that way uh, Justin has all the talent he, he's a freakish athlete a freakish athlete but Justin has not gotten He's not made that next step. we will. He's just uh, so I'm. I'm still. He's still waiting. I mean, Justin's just gotta I mean, this is his. His. Uh, I mean, th- this training camp. He will either put up or shut, up, so to speak. If if, if he doesn't put up, he will be out the door. Uh, come uh, the you know, the last uh, the last week of uh, cuts there before the season starts.
1: So going into into uh, the training camp, mm-hmm. you have your your open spot at left guard. I mean, any other positions that any position battles that that you're going to be keeping your eye on um, specifically on on the defensive side of the ball? Because I I was just looking at the the your your off season transactions mm-hmm. and I saw that Michael Griffin was released by yes. the Titans. So I thought that kind of spoke to maybe Bayard getting more of a shot on the defensive side of the ball, or is it just opening up competition for the safety position? Well,
2: uh, Griffin had a big uh, cap number, so that was the defining, uh, defining thing on him. He, he had, you know, obviously he was a draft picker of the Titans, uh, but his cap number was so high, the Titans uh, you know, decided to part ways with him. And they brought in Rashad Johnson from the Cardinals on a one-year deal. So Rashad will, will play opposite the uh, North Searcy. Those will, be, will, those will likely be the starting two safeties to start the season. Unless Bayer beats one of them out, which he could. I mean, the kid, I mean all the kid did uh, in his college or career was uh, have 19 interceptions. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what level of, of ball. I mean, nineteen interceptions speaks volumes. Yes, uh, it does. So safety, or I mean, the you know the the safeties are pretty set. The cornerback, uh, uh, right now, you've got the veteran Jason McCourty on one side. They brought in Bryce McCain as a free agent. They brought in Antoine Blake as a free agent. Um, those are two guys, and then it, they they signed Parrish Cox last year from, from the 49ers so it's not it's not for certain yet who will start opposite uh, Jason McCourty at the second corner uh, going in probably right now we have to say the parish Cox has the uh, has that spot but Bryce McCain could uh, could steal it I mean whichever one doesn't get whichever uh, corner does not start or uh, uh, does not stop start opposite recording will be will more likely be the nickel, And then uh, Blake will be somewhere, probably in the, in, in, in the down package will be somewhere in the mix as well. The Titans actually, probably one of the better stories from the draft was the last pick that the Titans made. Kalen Reed, I saw where pro football focus had Reed as one of their top 70 prospects overall. And he ended up being the last pick in the draft a.k.a. Mr. Irrelevant. Right. The Titans like his, his ball skills. Uh, he could he could find a way to get, uh, you know, to find some time at a corner. Uh, and then uh, the kid out of, his, uh, of Southern Utah. Oh, my goodness. My, his, his name is –
1: LaShawn Sims. Yeah,
2: yeah, LaShawn Sims. He's going to – he's tall and lanky. He's kind of the developmental – not – no, not – developmental but the kid that's got the most uh, work to do. He's you know obviously from just he, he's from a small school that's got all the measurables if you will. He just Like, has,
1: possibly a um practice squad guy for this year?
2: Probably, yeah. Bet probably best suited for the squad the the uh, the practice squad uh as it stands right now. Mm-hmm. Um but the you know line marker set, you got you got uh Bow, you got uh you got Woodyard, you got Avery, Avery Williamson, you got Derek Morgan, those guys. You got Kevin Dodd, we'll we'll find we'll fill in there. Sean Spence, the kid from uh, the free agent from Steelers, he will, he will uh, probably find his way in the rotation there. So the Titans have got some, you know, they finally got depth at positions where they needed depth. I, I the O-line, uh, the D-line, linebacker, Cornerback and safety. Last year, they—I mean, obviously—they were bringing guys, you know, from you know off the street. Last year, towards the end of the year, and they didn't have that depth that they that they've had when they've been good. You know, it's you know any good team has depth has depth at the big, major uh positions. And you know, mm-hmm. if you don't have it, you're doomed, so to speak. And the Titans have finally got depth at those positions mm-hmm. where they haven't had over the past years, and that's a, that's a good sign.
1: So talking about the AFC South yes. as a whole, I mean last year just, you know, basically a disaster of division. Yes. You had the you know, the Titans win three and thirteen, the Jaguars were they were they four and twelve, five and eleven? Last year, the the Colts, you know, were a sinking ship. Last year, and then the Texans kind of won the division by oh, default. Exactly. You know, they they were a nine and seven team that were quickly ousted yes. at home in the in the wild card round of the playoffs. But the Texans have made some really interesting moves, especially in the draft. The Jaguars they did just yes. as well in the draft as the Titans exactly, did. Yes. And then the Colts are getting a healthy Andrew Luck back, and they made some some moves to try to improve their football team. You know everything is pointing to the AFC South not being a disaster that they were last year. You know, what are your thoughts on, on how you see the AFC South playing out this year?
2: Uh, I echo, you know, pretty much whatever, you know, what you just said uh, last year, they simply put the AFC South was pretty much a dumpster fire. Right. It was was brutal to watch. Uh, uh, I mean, there was a reason why the Titans and the Jags were picking as high as they were. And, when the Colts lost uh, luck, they were not the same team. Uh, obviously, they won some games. Uh, they beat the Titans with uh gosh, I don't want to start with uh, how they beat the Titans in the last game. But they found a way to beat the Titans. Um, but the Jaguars, they arguably arguably had the best draft of anybody. And they mm-hmm. – they've, uh, obviously, they getting their first pick last year back from injury. Dante Fowler, right? Uh, he was a stud in, the, in college, and he was coming on before his injury last year in in, uh, in training camp. And uh, but this is a make or break year for the Jaguars. They have mm-hmm. let uh, their coach. I mean, this is year three of of, of his regime. Right. And he's got to get things done or else the Jaguars will be looking for a coach uh, in 2017.
1: Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was uh, surprising that he held on as long as yeah, he has so far. Yeah, I mean,
2: this is, uh, this is Gus's uh, last stand, to so speak. Uh, mm-hmm. But obviously, I mean, he's got – I mean, they recently uh, extended their, their – uh, There are two receivers. I mean, it was good to see Hearns get an extension. I mean, talk about a a field goal story. Uh, They've got the weapons on offense now. But uh, what is odd, though, is that Gus Bradley was known as a defensive minded coach, and their defense, the Jaguars defense, has not been anything special since he's been there. Last year, it was the offense that kind of carried them and probably will be the odd zone thing to do this year, although – with all the draft picks they the, they picked up, and then bringing in Malik Jackson from the Broncos, obviously that was a huge pickup in free agency. So they have they have got to be better on defense. I mean, yeah, it, it just I mean they they can't be much worse. I guess I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, that they um, you know it's it's difficult to to allow many more points than the Jags yes. did I mean, last yes. year. And they spent, you know, talk about a King's ransom on Malik Jackson, yes. they went out and got Tayshawn Gibson, Prince of Mukamura. I mean, they just loaded up the defense with free agents and big contracts mm-hmm. and such. So you'd have to think if they if they fall again this year that you know Bradley may not even survive the season no, exactly. if it becomes a foregone conclusion that the Jaguars aren't gonna produce this year. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And then and they got the Texans obviously went out and got Oswalder. So the the the, the AFC South Arguably has the best collection of young quarterbacks of any division, yeah. In the NFL, yeah. you know, get Mariota here in Nashville, you got Osweiler in Houston, you got Bortles in Jacksonville, and obviously got Andrew Luck uh, there in the Indy. So they've arguably got the best uh, quarterbacks, uh, the best young talent a quarterback in, in the in the whole NFL. Uh, I'm still not sold on the coast. I mean, they—I was shocked when they when uh, they brought uh, Chuck back and Grigson, I mean, oh, I man. mean that press yeah. that, that press conference that they had when they announced that he was coming back and with Grigson there, it it, it was it was a it gave me a it was un, it it was I won't say uneasy, but it was it was kind of hard to watch because Gregson. I I mean I don't think any of that has gone away. I mean that's still gonna be there. They're you know, they're all on again, off again uh relationship there in Indy. I, I mean it's gonna be it it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out for sure moving forward. And um uh, B, yeah, I mean the AFC South is definitely finally, finally on the way up, so to speak, after a, a disastrous twenty fifteen.
1: Yeah and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how it does play out because I think that you know experts and football pundits if you will are kind of going to go with well it's either going to be the Texans or it's going to be the Colts because you know Andrew Luck is back, and when he was healthy, the Colts were the best team in the division. Or you know the Texans are you know they're the the gatekeepers to the AFC South yes. now, so it's probably going to be them. But I think that the ceiling with the Jaguars and the Titans is so high this year that could that could uproot anything, and I I wouldn't be surprised honestly to see anything unfold. In the AFC South, if the Titans are the Jags and all their young talent and, you know, all the all the the meat that they added on defense with the Jaguars and such, if one of those was to emerge. And I'm really looking forward to see how it all unfolds in the AFC South this year, just because the potential across the board for any one of those teams to be the team to represent the south in the playoffs this year it's there for all of us. Yes, so because sure funnier things have happened than for a team to come out with a first year coach and a, a young quarterback and then make it to the playoffs i mean it it happened five years ago with andrew luck and the and the colts in 2012 so it, it wouldn't be ridiculous for Mariota and the titans to do it this year i don't think
2: uh yeah i mean it could definitely happen i mean the uh, you know you know you know the motto for the nfl you know not for long so it it's right. uh, a new year, brings on new opportunities, and it's and it's up to the Titans and Marietta to uh, get them back uh, in the right direction. And I think obviously, you know, selfishly, the Titans have got the, the the quarterback to do it. It's just about all the pieces around him. If if they can gel on both sides of the ball, uh, good things, uh, good things, uh, hopefully, are in store for uh, are are in store here for Titans
1: fans. So, and I honestly believe if it doesn't happen this year, it's got to be 2017 or or somewhere very close to it because I just think that the way that Robinson is setting the Titans up, it's it's a blueprint for success, and I really think that that good days are ahead yes. uh, for Tennessee. So, But I hope that they aren't anywhere around Sunday, November 27th, <laughs> when the Bears and the Titans are yeah. playing uh, uh-huh. in Chicago. So if if you could have a bad day that weekend, that would be fantastic. Every other day before and after that, go Titans. So, you know, that's just how I'm feeling.
2: Okay. Understood. Understood. And, you know, I mean, I kind of feel the same way. Uh, the Bears, <laughs> you guys are, you know, rocking rock other, every, rock, every, rock the other – Fifteen weeks in season, but that uh, you know, that one game there, you know, get, you know gotta gotta wait for the uh, two tone blue,
1: so to speak. Yeah, so I mean I've I've kind of always had a sentimental attachment to the Titans oh, cool. because I was actually a huge Oilers fan really? uh growing up because uh, after Walter Payton retired in eighty mm-hmm. seven, my favorite player in the NFL after that was Warren Moon. So he came up to soldier field in 87, 88, and he actually beat the bears when they had the best defense in the oh, league. Yeah. And I just kind I of fell in love with Warren moon and his, his throwing release and how they, you know, how the, the run and shoot offense was just so exciting to watch back then before the league caught up to it mm-hmm. uh, and everything. So the Oilers kind of morphing into the Titans. I've always kind of had somewhat of a sentimental attachment to the Titans because they used to be the Oilers oh, that's and, pretty cool. uh, and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, kind of always, kind of pulling for those for those teams to cool. to kind of reemerge. So, but um, last question that I had for yes, you, sir. and I said it was going to be kind of a fun one, yeah. was uh, it's kind of a what if okay. question sure. because I just read uh, you know was it last week or the week before that uh, Peyton Manning confessed that if he hadn't signed with the Denver Broncos, the team that he was looking more towards was the Tennessee oh, Titans. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so you know him returning to his old stomping grounds, having been you know a god at the University of Tennessee in college and everything. How do you think that might have played out for Tennessee had Peyton made the decision to take a chance with the Titans instead of playing with house money in Denver?
2: Yeah, so so Peyton was in town for the event here in Nashville uh, two weeks ago, and obviously had a uh, session where he filled with questions. Um, and like you said, it, it I mean it was. Definitely down to the nitty gritty, and it was either going to be Denver and/or Tennessee. He had a great visit with the, at the time, coach, head coach Mike Munchak. Uh, they hit, I mean, they hit off well, and I truly believe that Payton would have chose uh, Tennessee. Uh, obviously, uh, the Titans would be in a, well. I mean, at the time, they would be in a lot. You know, they would have won more games, obviously. Sure. David would have probably been the playoffs, or at least been on the door to the playoffs. But you know, I, I and, mean, I, I mean, there's no bigger star in Tennessee uh, east of Nashville than Peyton Manning. He's like a, you know, uh, he, he's like the state's uh, favorite son. Sure. And you know, Tennessee fans. As intensive ball fans have always wanted him to come back as a coach, and he's gone, you gone record saying that he does not want to be a head coach, but maybe someday be a, uh, a quarterbacks coach. Uh, so it will be it, it be it, it will be interesting to see what he's going to. This year will probably uh, more likely will take a year off to. Uh, See the site, so to speak. You know, go see various games. He's, uh, you know, he's already gone a record saying he's going to attend several uh, Tennessee ball games this fall. But getting back to your question, uh, obviously things would have been uh, things would have been a lot different if Peyton had, had, had chosen uh, Nashville as his as his next stop uh, rather than Denver. Uh, obviously, Mike Bunchak will probably be still head coach here. The Titans would have won more game a good many more games with Peyton behind the center
1: you'd have to think maybe the roster would look a lot different oh, for sure. because maybe the for sure. the Titans would have been a lot more motivated to be active in free agency yes. to bring in bring in people to the help agents. Peyton win yes. now yes. yeah uh
2: I mean you know, I mean kind of like what the the Broncos did when they got sure it. yeah I mean it's it, it's a great what if question that the Titans fan will Titans fan uh, will will ponder for years, and, but now that they've got Mariota, I think uh, that uh, you know that that's all pretty much died down now here in Nashville, and they're looking looking forward to uh, hopefully a, a a bounce back year in 2016. Because uh, frankly, things could uh, the past two years have been uh, brutal. On the on, yeah. the on Titans fans here in Nashville and,
1: and yeah five and twenty yeah the the years. Seasons.
2: and so, separately, if the Titans could get to eight you know to get to eight and eight this year that will be a that that will be a good year
1: absolutely absolutely so um so I th- I think that's all that I okay. have and um Dan I appreciate you coming on to the uh, the show. And uh, we hope to have you on uh, the week of the game, that week of the, uh, the 27th when the Bears and the Titans uh, play. Um, we'll have to figure that one out because I think that's actually when Thanksgiving rolls around, or maybe it's the week after, I'm not sure. But uh, we'll be able to uh, put our heads together around then and uh, have you back on and compare notes to see where we are with our two teams heading into that final stretch uh, of the season. It's week number 12, yes. the Bears and the Titans play each other. So we'll be deep into the season at that point. Yeah, we should have all of our answers about you know yeah, what exactly our teams are at that sure. point. Yeah. So, so it should be an interesting conversation. Then, look forward to having you back,
2: Larry. Uh, I uh, I uh, look forward to it, sir.
1: Dan Cotton, sports dot com. The actual address for the Titans page is ten, as in the number mm-hmm. ten. T E N dot sports as in two four seven sports uh, dot com. So check out the Titans page for all the info there. So. Uh, Dan Cotton joining us to talk Bears and Titans. Excellent conversation me. we had with our new friend Dan Cotton, 247sports.com or ten.247sports.com if you want to check out the Tennessee Titans Uh, page uh, on the site Uh, looking forward to having our other AFC South uh, friends on the show Uh, Colton Manziel no relation to the walking train wreck from the Cleveland Browns uh, will be on the show Uh, I'll have interview him later this week uh, to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars Josh Wilson will be on with us for the Indianapolis Colts and then Brett Coleman uh, for the tennis or excuse me the the Houston uh, Texans all from SB Nation uh, be joining us uh, later on as we go into further and further into June and then we will pick things up with our NFC East opponents uh, starting with the last place Cowboys that's going to be weird to say but uh, the Cowboys the Giants the Eagles and the Redskins I'll uh, we'll be reuniting with Mike Carrar who we had on the show a couple of times last year uh, for our preview opponents and uh, our preview for the Bears and the Redskins last year, have him back on, see if he's a trash talker, wants to rub it in that the Bears uh, lost to the Skins uh, last year. So we'll have to wait and see how that all goes. But um, looking forward to having this, you know, v- real happy to be back in the mix and things like that. Also be sure to check us out on, on Football is America. Uh, myself, Ron Rugg, Kyle Frank, uh, talking the NFL uh, in general. Also doing um, not so much opponent previews, but just team uh, previews. We spoke with Lori Lattimore volkman about the Broncos, who we had on the show before. Um, Kyle Farmer from the Ravens. Uh, SB Nation page, we spoke to him. Uh, Tom Ryle, who we'll have on the show for the Cowboys, we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. So if you just wanted to get general information on on all the teams, be sure to, to look up Footballs America on iTunes to uh, get the latest on what the three of us are up to. And sometimes you just want to listen to the three of us banter with each other because it can get quite entertaining so uh, be sure to check out football as America catch me on Twitter at shy Bears review CHI Bears review and um, you know any questions that you might have maybe uh, answer them on the show or if you have a question for our guests I guess I haven't putting that out to you guys yet uh, either do it on the Facebook page send me a private message on Facebook if you're following me or hit me up on Twitter any questions that you think might be relevant that you you want to know the answer to um, you know. I, I, believe me, I, sometimes I'm running out of questions. Uh, like you could see, you know, Dan, he, uh, <laughs> God love him. His great information, knows his stuff. But the guy answered like six questions. I asked him one question, he answered like the next five that I was going to ask him. So, you know, kind of scrambling for questions uh, at the end. So I got, I need all the questions I can get. If you have them out there, throw them my way at Review on Twitter or uh, message me on Facebook or the Facebook page for the chicago bears review and uh if uh if if i need them i'll use them so throw them out there so but that's uh, going to do it for our tennessee titans uh, opponent preview episode uh keep your eyes open on twitter and on the facebook page to see when our episode for colton manzel and the jacksonville jaguars will be released so until then my name is larry d and this has been the chicago bears review